Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com. The ticking time bomb of interest-only mortgages. How people who have had cancer can be charged four times as much for the travel insurance and the rowing cybercrime wave that's targeting property buyers. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast on personal finance and investing. I'm Hugo Greenhouch, the FT's wealth correspondent, and I'll be bringing you this week's money news in downloadable form. Around one in five outstanding mortgages in the UK are classified as interest only, where the borrower pays back the interest every month but doesn't make a dent in the underlying capital. This means that home buyers face a dilemma when their mortgage term expires. How on earth are they going to repay debts of potentially hundreds of thousands of pounds? Joining me to discuss in the FT studio is Amy Williams, FT money reporter, who has written about this issue this week. Welcome, Amy. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Uh, you write in your piece that it's crunch time for two major tranches of interest-only loans. What's that about? Well, the regulator, the city regulator, has got its eye on two particular batches of interest-only loans, one of which is set to mature this year and next year. So these loans were issued in the 90s, and they tend to be called endowment mortgages. So it's a form of interest-only mortgage that was sold alongside an investment plan of some sort um, that is designed designed to outperform the market, give you great returns and allow you to pay off your capital. But when the regulator just checked up on the health of these mortgages, it found that maybe there was not a great deal of outperformance going on and perhaps there might be some trouble brewing. So it has kind of stepped in to deal with that a little bit. And then the other tranche of loans is set to mature a little bit later. These are straightforward interest-only mortgages which were issued in the run-up to the credit crunch where mortgage lending was a bit freer and easier and lenders were lax in their lending or laxer than they are now. Now, now two things there. I mean, the first of all is that they sound terribly fiddly things, basically. And second, the, the fact that the financial regular has been caught out before. But it sounds like the financial regular has got their eye on this. But it, it, could it be another subprime mortgage crisis? Well, the Financial Conduct Authority, so that is the, the city regulator I just referred to, did actually take some big steps around four years ago to restrict who could take out an interest-only mortgage. And they also asked lenders, mostly banks, to write to borrowers and check up on how they plan to repay and if necessary to encourage them to move on to repayment mortgages or part repayment mortgages meaning they'll start paying off the capital as they go so this means that lots of people have moved into a different payment plan and that should avert 
the worst of any kind of repayment crisis. Nowadays, though, interest-only mortgages are coming back. We've got several lenders who've moved back into the space recently, having left it in the immediate aftermath of the financial crisis. But the conditions under which they lend are much stricter. They'll only issue these kinds of mortgages to the wealthier, the wealthiest even people who have a serious investment portfolio and a serious plan in place to, to repay these mortgages. Because it does sound like, you know, just listening to this, quite a kind of bonkers idea for the general public, if nothing else. But but for the wealthy, you can see the point from a kind of buy-to-let perspective. But let, let's look at the worst-case scenario. What, what would happen to borrowers who don't have sufficient equity or income to get a conventional mortgage? C- could they lose their homes? I mean, if they have an interest-only mortgage and at the end the bank wants that capital portion back and the person, the borrower, doesn't have that capital, and yes, technically the lenders could force them to sell the home to repay the debt. The thing that works in the borrower's favour here is, obviously, house prices have gone up quite significantly over the last 10 years or more. And so these people now are able to potentially downsize and move into a smaller property and release some some money that way. And around this this idea, a whole new kind of mortgage has, has, has become quite popular, and that's an equity release mortgage. So this is where lenders lend against the, the value of your home and you don't have to pay it back until the end of your life. The problem with these is that they're quite expensive kinds of loans and obviously you're relying on there always being extra equity in your house. So, you know, prices continue to go up or at least staying the same as they are now. Well, thank you very much there to Amy Williams. It's quite a kind of minefield to get our heads around. But you can read all about the issues surrounding interest-only mortgages in FT Money on Saturday as part of the FT Weekend newspaper or catch up online from Friday morning at ft.com forward slash money. Looking forward to your summer break... Well, if you haven't sorted out your travel insurance yet, then here's a reminder. But did you know that people who have had cancer can be charged four times as much for an annual policy? This rather startling fact was revealed this week by Macmillan Cancer Support, the charity, and has overtones of the situation in the early 1990s when a lot of people living with HIV also faced huge premiums on their insurance policies. But I'm joined now by Lucy Schoonerhevel, who's Public Affairs Manager at Macmillan Cancer Support. Uh, welcome, Lucy. Now, talk me through what your research has found. So our research published this week has found that thousands of people affected by cancer are being charged over £1,000 for their travel insurance, when actually the average price for you and I, without any medical condition, is about £37. So that's significantly more. We also know of thousands of people affected by cancer from this research who said that they couldn't get a travel insurance policy at all, despite the fact that they, in many cases, were actually cured from cancer over a decade ago. So this is having a huge impact on people affected by cancer. In many cases, it means that they're just not able to go on holiday at all. In some cases, it means that they are actually paying thousands of pounds and at a time of their life when they may have just gone through treatment and the financial impact of cancer is quite significant anyway because of travel costs and so on. And it, this is then on top of that, you know, at a time of their life when they may, you know, they deserve to go on holiday and, and well, recover from treatment. I mean, are, are they told by the insurer when they, they go for insurance that it could cost more because they have had cancer treatment? Is it actually explicit somewhere? So one of the things that we've also found from this research is that in some cases they may go through a process of kind of ticking the box that they've had cancer and then the travel insurance company then loads on a huge premium 
and they find out how much the premium is, they find out how much the policy is that they're being offered, but there's no explanation as to why they're they're being charged £1,000. So not only is it, it's really untransparent, people don't know what they can do about it, they don't know whether they can call back and, you know, call up someone and find out if they can get it reduced... And they also, in a lot of cases, feel like they then probably it's not worth then going and shopping around because they think that that's the same across the board. Well, we'll come back to what you can do about it in a second. But let, let's look at this. Let's, let's play devil's advocate at this point. But if you've got a serious medical condition like cancer, should you not expect insurers to charge you more as you might be at higher risk of needing treatment abroad? It's absolutely right. In a lot of cases, there is a higher risk. For example, people who maybe have terminal cancer, However, in so many cases we heard through this research, people had doctor's notes to say that they were fit to travel. And also everyone's being tarnished with the same brush. So there are some travel insurance providers that are, they just, again, see the tick box of cancer and then they load on this huge premium. They don't try and find out any more information. And the reason behind this, we understand, is because they're using out-of-date data. So travel insurance companies are looking at data that is really out of date that they believe that cancer is still a death sentence that not many people get it when actually we now know that one in two of us will get cancer by 2020 and also survival rates have doubled since the 70s but they're just putting everybody in the same box basically you've got cancer doesn't matter if you're in remission doesn't matter if it was 10 years ago it's just the same thing basically and at which point your insurance will go through the roof exactly well let's look at that in that case what 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 people can do about that and the financial conduct authority said it's concerned about this and launched a call for evidence what what do you hope this will achieve yeah we're we're so pleased that the fca has recognized this problem and have launched this call for input and macmillan was really pleased to actually be able to take part in that and to to input into it and what we're hoping this will achieve is that it will put a bit of pressure on the travel insurance industry to use up-to-date data so and to make sure that they're being open and transparent about what data they are using and therefore stop kind of pricing people out of the market and and can people get in touch with Macmillan direct as well and ask ask you for help exactly so they can get in contact with us people affected by cancer can get in contact with us and tell us their stories so that we can feed in And we also have an online community where people can go online, they can talk to other people who've had experience of trying to get travel insurance quotes and find out where people got good deals. Well, let's ask that. Did you have the online address in that case? Yep. So if you go to www.macmillan.org.uk, there'll be something on the front web page. And please do click on that. Please do tell us your stories. And also to the travel insurance industry, please do feed into the call for input by the FCA as well. Lucy, thank you very much for that shocking stuff there, actually. But uh, thank you very much for joining us this morning. You can read the story now and find out how to respond to the consultation on ft.com forward slash money. And finally, it's your worst financial nightmare. You save up to buy your dream home, agree a deal, and send your hard-earned money to the conveyancing solicitor to complete the purchase. Except you didn't send it to the solicitor, you sent it to a fraudster pretending to be the solicitor. And when the police try and trace the cash, it's vanished into a thicket of offshore accounts. This potentially ruinous scenario is now playing out more often, according to new data from the Solicitor's Regulation Authority. The number of incidents in the first three months of this year has more than doubled compared with last. James Pickford, FT Money Deputy Editor, has been probing the issue of conveyancing fraud and joins us now. James, thank you for joining us. 
talk me through this. It's quite complicated. How does it all work? Well, there are a couple of ways in which it typically works, both uh, involving email, typically. Whereas the first way is that the fraudster pretends to be the solicitor using a sort of masked or subtly changed email address. They email you and say, we've just changed our bank details. You need to send it to this, this, uh, this bank account. And, of course, you do that and, and it vanishes. In the second variant, the fraudster pretends to be the seller and persuades the solicitor's office that they, that they changed their bank account details and they need to send the money to, to them. And, of course, the solicitor's regulation authorities, which, which we mentioned, they, they've come out with some data showing this is on the rise. This in in other, uh, some other research by the City of London Police, they found that the cost can be quite serious. An average of £101,000 is lost Good in grief. this fraud. So it's actually quite considerable. I mean, that's a, it's, that's it's a massive a, chunk of your potential it, it, house. It's, it's pretty disastrous. OK, I think the main question that most people will be asking is, can I get my money back? Well, that will depend on which type of fraud you've, you've fallen victim to, essentially. If you, as the buyer, have sent your money to the wrong bank account and then the bank has, has done what they've, you, you've asked them to do, the solicitor isn't involved, so really you have very little redress and it's, it's pretty disastrous in that case. If the solicitor has sent the money to the wrong place, now solicitors are obliged to insure themselves against this. So as a seller, you will get your money because they will be, uh, they will, the, the insurer will hopefully repay them that money and they can send it on to you. But as a buyer, no guarantees and it becomes a criminal matter and no. then you're lost in the mire of the courts. It's pretty catastrophic. Just how common is this, do you think? It's still, it's still quite rare, thankfully. And you know, the, the fraudster has to be lucky enough to, to get the information that you are selling on a particular date. They have to be clever enough to somehow mask the, the email account or, or you know, typically they might change a letter in the email address to try and, to try and fake it. And things have to be, you know, everything has to line up for them. But, you know, they were, they were they, as, as we say, the, the incidents more than doubled in the first three months of this year. And it's becoming more common because people are more familiar and, and happy to uh, do banking transactions electronically. So that people are just reasonably uh, au fait with uh, using a smartphone to get onto a bank account to deal with solicitors electronically, and therefore they're more at risk to this kind of fraud. OK, so that's the problem. That's the issue that we're facing. But So what can I do to make sure, if it would happen to me, that it doesn't happen to me in the first place? Well, one of the things that people suggest is doing a dummy run payment. So you pay, you, you send over a pound to your solicitor's account and say, I'm going to ring you up. And you ring up the solicitor that you know and you've spoken to and you say, has the money arrived? And if they say, well, no, then you, you, you may have <laughs> the alarm bells may start ringing. Once you've sent your pound, you send the solicitor and they say, yes, it's got here. Then you can send your, your full deposit or the completion money um, as, it, as it comes through. And this is happening both in exchange and completion, I should add. So just to make sure it goes to Wilkinson's and Sons rather than Wilkins and Sons and Sons, exactly, <laughs> just right. changing the letters. But so, is this a mainly a London problem, do you think? Or is it, um, is it nationwide? Actually, it's not. Obviously, London is the place where the biggest gains can be made because house prices, house values are... are are the highest there, but it's more of an opportunistic fraud. So whenever the fraudster sees the, 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 this information coming through, and bear in mind you, they can gather this kind of information from social media posts, so you've got to be careful there. They could get it, the, the solicitor could inadvertently 
reveal this kind of data. That's where it comes through. Well, we seem to have had a program for problems and issues. But thank you very much, James, for joining us today. If you've got a story you'd like the FT Money team to follow up or a question to pose to our team of financial experts, do drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at money at FT.com, tweet us at FT Money, or comment on articles online at FT.com forward slash money. That's all from The Money Show this week. We'll be back at the usual time next Thursday. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.